Hello and welcome to Rasslin' Memories Then and Now on Pioneer 90.1 KSRQ. We're available beyond the FM dial, by the way. If you want to stream us worldwide, we're available at RadioNorthland.org. That's also where you can listen to uh, past episodes, even this episode. If you missed it the first time around, you can check them all out. There's eight good, solid years of Rasslin' Memories for you there at RadioNorthland.org. We're also featured uh, part of many uh, great uh, stations on the free tune-in app for your smartphone. So good places to check out Rasslin' memories then and now. I'm Glenn Brockett riding and flying solo. No co-host with me this week. The grizzled vet down there in deep in the heart of Texas is uh, out on a scouting mission. I sent him out to go find me some guests here as we head into the new year. And my guest, see, since I'm alone, you know, while the cat's away, the mice are going to play. I, 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 I'm going to do something. I got a good guest. I, I'm going to bring him back. The last time I hit him on was in May of 2017 and we had such a good time not only talking about pro wrestling, uh, pro wrestling in Winnipeg, uh, the West 4 Wrestling Alliance. We talked about his career in radio. Uh, today, we're, I'm bringing him back because it was uh, just recently uh, on YouTube, there has been a recent upload of West 4 Wrestling Alliance main event wrestling episodes from 1989 all the way up to 1992. And it was during that period of time, this guy was the voice of the WFWA, uh, Tony Candelo's uh, promotion up there in Winnipeg. Uh, man, every Sunday I'd watch this guy on CTV. And uh, him and uh, Bulldog Bob Brown, he's worked co- color with uh, Nick Bockwinkle, uh, the captain, Bobby Jones. He's done some great, great stuff. But uh, we're having him back on. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the impact Winnipeg is having on the pro wrestling landscape of today. So we're going to talk about yesterday, we're going to talk about today, and we may even talk about it, the restaurant uh, business too, with our guest. <laughs> Welcome back, uh, all the way from Winnipeg. Uh, yeah, oh man, I, I've listened to this man for years back when we used to pick up the Winnipeg Signal. It's so great to have you back on. Joe Aiello, the uh, main man up there in Winnipeg uh, Morning Radio. Thanks a lot, Glenn. It's good to be back, and uh, how's everything uh, south of the border? We can't even come and visit this point with a, a full lockdown going on up here but uh soon enough you'll be seeing those friendly manitoba plates hopefully i i'm just so crushed by the you know just not being able to go up and visit you guys up there in uh friendly manitoba going up to winnipeg i mean i the wife and i started uh you know going to more shows up uh up winnipeg way we we want well spend weekend we're gonna start we were starting to uh, make plans to spend more weekend time up there and then covid came and just crushed our spirits but you know the last time i was in winnipeg joe i went i went to the restaurant the restaurant that you were promoting, the restaurant uh, you're involved with, and uh, and of course, free plugs are always uh, good here. But man, I had a good meal, and the wife said the Joyello pizza was fantastic. Talk about that. Uh, you know, you're you're a radio guy. You've done the wrestling stuff. Talk about your foray into uh, the, the world of the restaurant business. Uh, yeah, because this is always and this is another layer here uh, to your your career, Joe. Yeah, it's funny because uh, I've been blessed because uh, as a kid, there was three things I always wanted to do. One of them was get into wrestling, which I was lucky enough to do here. And of course, I had a cup of coffee with the WWE before I came back home and and took on a full-time radio job. And radio was another one and also owning a restaurant. And uh, a cousin of mine who happens to be in the industry and I finally made that dream come true and... Uh, it's a concept he put together out on the West Coast, and he's a former Winnipegger as well, named Frankie after our uh, great-grandfather. So it's uh, a lot of family pictures in the place, all black and white, 
showing you uh, how we used to uh, have a lot of family get-togethers in uh, the basement, and we've taken uh, a lot of that uh, heritage in uh, a lot of our sauces and plates and added a new twist to a lot of stuff and uh, and opened up in our hometown, I guess it'll be a year this January. So things have been a little tougher with COVID and that, but yeah, if uh, anybody in uh, in the listening area ends up being up here in Winnipeg, the dollar's usually pretty good on the Canadian side for you Americans, so... Uh, we're not too far. We're 505 Sterling Line Parkway, and you can just look up Frankie's Winnipeg. You can Google it any time and find us, and uh, make sure you ask for me. I'm oh, usually around. Absolutely. And we could even talk wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> yes, 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 but the next time I get up there, I'm going to have to give you like, an, you know, when things get going and the fog kind of cliffs a little bit here, and we can kind of start to get our way back to some sort of uh, better normalcy, I'm definitely going to want to come back up there, and uh, I'll, I'll give you a fair warning, so maybe you, you could pop pop in, you know, and uh, I could be like, uh, tell the Absolutely. wife, I'm, I could tell the wife, like, yeah, I know the guy who runs this joint. I'm sure she'll be flattered by listening to us regale more wrestling stories like she probably doesn't get enough of those eh <laughs> <laughs> she's been a very patient a very patient woman that, i think i got myself <laughs> a, a keeper <laughs> yeah she'd be like okay 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 I'm, i'll be like yeah that's the guy whose pizza you ordered come on it's all good right <laughs> Absolutely. You know, we talk. You talk about Winnipeg and and pro wrestling. We're going to get into uh, the WFWA and, and talk a little bit, share some memories of your time working for Tony. Uh, you know, turning on the TV for pro wrestling uh, in the last couple of weeks uh, has really been an interesting thing. And and from here on, I think it's going to be a very interesting time for pro wrestling. What with uh, Kenny Omega. Uh, winning the AEW heavyweight title with an assist from another Winnipeg guy, Don Callis, and those guys basically uh, going from one television show, AEW, to Impact and back again, which is hasn't been seen in quite some time with people jumping out. Because, I mean, we've been so had the mindset with WWE for so long. It's just so nice and refreshing to have this happen where these guys are jumping promotions. You combine that with Chris Jericho, who already uh, made his mark with, the, with AEW, uh, not only signing up with them, uh, being their uh, first heavyweight champion. I mean, he's done so many things with the inner circle. Hell, he's even selling bubbly, by God. But, I mean, it's just so, I mean, and when I think about it, too, you know, with Kenny Omega, his, you know, he's the nephew of a guy that was on WFWA television screens for many, you know, for that good run there when Tony had TV, the Golden Cheek. You got Donnie Callis, who I think is uh, now finally getting his due as one of the really premier pro wrestling minds. Uh, he got his his teeth in Winnipeg as the natural and Chris Jericho. I mean, Chris Jericho, really the guy just turned 50. He's been in the business for 30 years now. This was a guy, uh, Winnipeg through and through. He has never forgot about his hometown. He, uh, you know, he is still the champion these days, whether he has a belt or not. He's just one of the most over guys in pro wrestling. It's so great. And you got Lenny Sinclair, uh, AKA Luther. You're seeing, I'm seeing these guys that are all were uh, a part of the, the West war wrestling alliance, but Winnipeg in general, I mean, Winnipeg is a, legendary pro wrestling town but isn't it just something else uh joe to to be able to look online see it in the news check out their shows uh, whether it be impact tv or uh, aew dynamite to see just how big of a contribution even in 2020 that winnipeg has had on the pro wrestling landscape man if you take it back now just even uh, a couple of years i remember talking with uh with chris via text back and forth 
when that Japan show happened and Don and I were in communication quite a bit. He was going back and forth from Japan, but he was still working here uh, in, in Winnipeg. And when this whole idea had come up that uh, they were going to do this show in Japan with Kenny and, and Chris and, and Don was already doing some commentating, it was like, wow, that's unbelievable. But I don't think anybody could fathom how big it was really until after the fact. The match was fantastic. The whole storyline was fantastic. And then everything blew up from there. Like in hindsight, and it's been referred to a couple of times by even Tony Khan of AEW, and they referenced it uh, on Impact and AEW over the last couple of nights, Don and Kenny, that Tony Khan said that was the match that kind of, you know, woke him up to the whole owning a promotion idea. So I think... Uh, with all the talent they did have there from the beginning, really the biggest piece to that puzzle has turned out to be Chris Jericho. Like he's reinvented himself once again, and he's really the cornerstone of that promotion, whether he has the title or not. He's still the biggest name that they have, and he still moves the needle, which is amazing in itself. So that was good enough to keep an eye on AEW, and so was Kenny, and you knew they were going to do more with Kenny. But even me, a friend of Don's, (laughs) <laughs> I didn't see this coming. And Don kept it under his hat and uh, absolutely amazing. I thought at some point you might see Don in AEW, uh, maybe as an employee, if uh, if he was going to leave Impact at some point. But this is so much better for wrestling fans because I don't know if they're taking a page from the old NWA and they're going to start running Kenny as a champion and, and maybe he wins belts all over and, uh, and and goes with that run. That would be intriguing because that would probably no one thought would ever happen in the wrestling game again. So me as an old wrestling fan, I'm kind of actually uh, revitalized by all of this again. I was watching what was going on, but I'm really intrigued to see where they go with this. And just as a Winnipegger, you have to be proud because, I mean, we're just a, a big, small town. And, you know, I remember the stories running, including me on radio, when, when they were headlining the Tokyo Dome, like, this was unbelievable news for Winnipeg entertainment and sports entertainment. And that just doesn't happen. And it all happened in one night. Yeah, pretty amazing history. And I think when you look back at this in about a decade, it's, it's going to be amazing to see where AEW is, maybe where Impact uh, is, or, or who is the champion. Like Kenny, is, I think they referenced is what, 35? Yeah, he's when you probably know better than me. Yeah, he's I mean, in he's, he's in his 45. mid to upper th- upper thirties. I mean, he's still got yeah, so many like, uh, so many years ahead of him. He's still got legs and percent. And the thing is, you know, Joe, a lot of years, you know, Kenny was working, you know, up in up in Manitoba, you know, and then he ended up yeah. uh, really making it big in, in Japan. I think there's a, uh, I mean, there's a lot of people. He has some, you know, of course, you know, you've got the real super fan, internet fans that go either way on him, but you can't deny that this guy has really worked his ass off to get where he's at, and he is an amazing talent that really, finally, thanks to AEW, is really getting some serious uh, face time here in the states, so we can really kind of figure out what 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 this cleaner guy was all about in new japan but having him here in the states and, and, and finally you know working him into a main heavyweight championship role you know before he was doing the tag team stuff you know doing the face stuff with with, with hangman page but i think this is now having him with don you know being the heavyweight champion this is a re- good way to get a real better uh, view and understanding uh, for those who weren't as familiar with kenny before the aew stuff Don has uh, Don has been referencing on some of his social media 
uh, Bob Behan and the Nick Bockwinkle pictures, and it, it, I, I think it's a fantastic. Because both are great talkers, Kenny and Don both, so they can really make it work. There's obviously a lot of chemistry with the two, and I don't think it's any secret that uh, Kenny's always interested in uh, moving the needle in a bunch of different directions, which is fantastic. I don't know Kenny that well, to be honest, because uh, I was sort of winding it down with, with the wrestling stuff on this end, and I remember meeting uh, him a few times when he was on some of the independent cards that even Don and I did or, or some of the stuff Don was doing or some of the other independents in Winnipeg. And you could always tell that a, a young kid like that, he had a great look. He, he was doing great things in the ring already, but he also had that drive. And, you know, good for him. I mean, he's just a nice, he's a nice guy. He was a nice kid back then. And I think he's always stayed pretty humble from my understanding and uh, good on him. And especially to go to Japan and a lot of those guys never get really moved up at that weight to, to heavyweight. And they did that with him. And uh, he ended up becoming a big star even after guys like AJ Styles and that had left. And uh, even for my buddy Don to, uh, you know, get together with Kenny and create this magic that they're creating after Japan with even Chris, I think it's absolutely fantastic. Yeah, and you know, again, you know, not only uh, what he's been doing with with Kenny here uh, recently, but I, I really, you know, credit's got to be given to Don as well as Scott Demore on you know them taking over, uh, you know, for for you know taking over the Impact Affairs, Impact Wrestling, a couple of years ago, and. You know, I was really happy because when I heard this announcement, when they heard that these guys were going to do it, because I, I, I had a feeling that it was going to go in a, a, a good direction, this company that had been seen so many peaks and valleys and had been on death's door for so many years, the DOA stuff. Oh, they're not going to last another year. But these guys have been able to put together these, these great weekly television shots, pay-per-views. They've built up compelling characters, great storylines. And hell, they made Johnny Swinger... One of the more over characters in 2020. I mean, lots of credit has to be given to those guys. Oh man, I love the swing man. But again, both Don and Scott Demore. I mean, those guys, uh, some Canadian boys uh, doing good and just really working with uh, with Impact. You know, not having the big, you know, high watt, big money. You know, that during the Dixie Carter era. But they're working with what they've got, and I think that they've done an amazing job by uh, just following that kiss principle, that keep it simple, stupid sort of thing. And, and really making it on the wrestling and developing these characters and, and the talents that are in that company. I haven't seen Scott in a few years, but I'll tell you, I mean, the guy is obviously one of the wrestling uh, geniuses out there. And you could see that when uh, he had uh, put his thumbprint uh, on uh, Impact the first time. Then when they collaborated with Don and Scott, who have been uh, pals for a long time, that added, that added to the sizzle. I thought, and I mean, obviously it takes time for numbers to grow. And I think what they're creating right now is going to expose them and a lot of their talent that might not have gotten seen up until uh, Tuesday night. I think it's going to do a lot of great things outside of the, the Kenny Dawn storyline, because I think that's going to have legs for a long time. If they, they start doing the, the championship run with Kenny, uh, that could be real interesting, especially if even AEW starts bringing in some other stars. It never really worked when the WWE could have done it with WCW. And if these guys go back to that old style kind of uh, thought with a little bit more entertainment involved, it could be really good. And if you think back, even when the independents were around and these guys were doing TV, like uh, whether it be Calgary, 
like, I mean, legitimately impact for outside of the, the national coverage they have on TV. We're kind of regional, right? Based out of uh, either Toronto they were taping or even Nashville in a couple of other spots. Mm-hmm. But they weren't drawing big crowds when they were doing their TVs. But the TV became more compelling. But even the numbers apparently in the streams that grew just from Tuesday night showed that uh, this thing could have legs. It'll be interesting to see what they do next week outside of the uh, the two interviews they did this week. Yeah, and I, I think they're going to avoid some of the pitfalls that befell the uh, the wrestling uh, companies merging th- sort of a thing that uh, really uh, came out with good intentions in the 80s. But, you know, when you had those old guard uh, territory promoters who uh, had that my way or the highway approach, it was just a bunch of guys that could get together. But probably, like, I think Vince said something like they couldn't even order lunch, let alone uh, lead a, a wrestling invasion. This is so much different, you know, 30, 35 years later, I, you know, things are just... I I guess there's just a little bit more synergy. People are willing to work a little bit more with one another. And, and again, in, through all of this going on through a, 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 the COVID-19 pandemic as well. So you throw that in there. Could you, I mean, you could do a lot of hypotheticals. You could think, man, what would this be like, you know, in front of, you know, an AEW show and, uh, you know, wherever sure. they're there in the country. I mean, I mean, to be able to, once this is, again, once this thing lifts, it's really going to be interesting to see what they can, you know, when people feel safe to go out to these shows and, they feel safe enough to book these shows what it's going to be like as far as uh you know bringing butts out there bringing not only just eyes to the product but bringing people out there and 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 going and paying for these tickets and and filling up these arenas again i'm i'm kind of wondering like and i i don't know if i'm alone in this or not or the minority but i was kind of losing interest uh with wrestling even even when the thunderdome thing happened with the wwe it was just different it's hard to watch wrestling without any crowd uh, response and, and the matches were still pretty good on uh, Tuesday night for impact. I thought with no crowd, those guys worked hard, but here's the thing. And I don't know if anybody's discussed this, but something in my gut tells me there might be more to this than just the wrestling end of it. There's always been talk about AEW trying to do more television because they've got so many guys. Mm-hmm. Could you see an AEW show on access in the U S could you see one on the Fight Network here in Canada, which is owned by the parent company, of course, of Impact? So I wonder if there's other TV uh, availability here that could open more programming for AEW with some of these other promotions. That's just a thought I had the other day when I was watching this, and I'm going, maybe, maybe this is deeper than just um, this storyline. Yeah, because I don't know. I, that's a good point that you're bringing up, Joe, because I, I'm, I'm starting to th- get my wheels uh, turning as well. I mean, you, you could have the access with the impact deal. Sure. Uh, and you could also, I think, you know, keep that on in the evening. But I also think that, uh, you know, they've been doing, uh, you know, their uh, AEW Dark uh, programs here as well on, yeah. on YouTube. I think, and it might be crazy because, I mean, it's been years since they've had it on. I think a turn to the old 605 TBS deal because they're under the branch of the Turner family. I think that to have that AEW dark show maybe move there and then you would have the Axis primetime thing on Tuesday and then you would have Dynamite on Wednesday. You would have, I mean, you would have so many places where you could place these guys. You could build up some of the the guys on the undercard because they're the the roster for AEW is so stacked. But they also have a lot of independents working these dark shows. Maybe there's another uh, another uh, thought could be uh, maybe uh, Tony Khan and uh, and his family. Maybe maybe they end up buying another wrestling promotion. 
Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, or very That's well. A possibility too. Yeah, I mean, this it's just so I mean I'm just so more much more optimistic about what the pro wrestling business could do I mean especially even like just with a company like Impact because you know what it was what what three four years ago uh, we had that whole debacle with Billy Corgan who ended up uh, buying the NWA and was doing some pretty cool things until the the pandemic kind of shut them down but that was just ended up being such a big mess and you know him putting all this money in and then having uh, really nothing in return I mean that almost soured him away from the wrestling business altogether but just just interesting how that you know a few years have turned now corgan's doing the nwa there's a, a, a very healthy impact in aew so it's not just a you know us turning tuning out vince now we actually have better you know more options of course there's roh and even mlw down in florida there's much more right. options for a, for a person now and it's not just content for the sake of content there's a lot of really good good wrestling uh good a lot of good wrestlers that are out there that can be, work different shows i mean that's what's so much fun about this and the potential that these companies getting together and working with each other can can bring and to give us that alternative we have been seeking out for a while since uh, WCW went under in the early 2000s. Right. And I think if you're a wrestling fan, it, there's never been a better time in a long time because there's less things for people to do right now because of COVID. There's a lot of great programming and there's a lot of great talent out there. And even a few years ago, a lot of that talent was getting swallowed up, of course, by the WWE. So competition makes things better on everybody. They've upped their game as well on uh, with some of their stars. There's some great storylines going on in WWE as Ooh. well. But there's fans talking about other promotions again. And that means for the boys and the girls, there's probably better payoffs out there in the long run. I'm actually waiting to see when live crowds can happen again because I think that will tell you which of these promotions will survive in the long run because then they've got some live gates to talk about and, uh, and, and we'll take it from there because I think that'll be the game of survival. Once they can start opening up live shows again for people, then you're going to see who's going to succeed. Yeah, it's definitely going to be a real wheat from chaff sort of situation as far as finance. Yeah. The financials go in because you could have a great company, have a bunch of great wrestlers, compelling storylines, but if you're not, if you're not, you don't have that one element that could bring the people out there, or else you, as far as you know, it may not even be a talent issue. It could just be a promotion issue. You know, getting I guess the the other question is, Glenn. Sorry to interrupt, but you and I grew up with the AWA which uh, I was a huge fan of growing up here in Winnipeg, and I still have great memories of my dad taking me to my first wrestling cards, but I used to go to the old Winnipeg Arena every third Thursday of the month is when they used to come to Winnipeg. But they had those super class shows, and I wouldn't be surprised if a guy like Tony Khan goes back to Heritage, and I mean, of course, Cody's dad uh, was one of the greatest bookers of all time and Dusty. I wouldn't be surprised if they start looking at things like that, where you take the best of the best from all these promotions and put on these super cards. I mean, if it's about making money, you could do one of those uh, Super Bowl type of pay-per-views uh, every year if you can keep everybody aligned, I guess. Mm-hmm. That was one of the bigger problems they had back in the day. The promoters were all out for each other. I don't necessarily get that vibe anymore with what's going on now. I think these guys are all smart enough to say, hey, we're not taking down the big machine. We're not planning on taking down the big machine. It's almost like the old uh, or the, the new, you know, uh, local breweries that are opening up. They just want a piece of the market. They're not uh, out there to take down the giants. 
I think you could see something like that developing too. And that would be pretty intriguing too. When let's say you have this worldwide champion like uh, Kenny Omega, that's the champion for about four or five different places. That might be pretty cool if they even go in that direction. But and I think Kenny too. I mean, he'll he'd be more apt to travel to these these spots. I think more so than than your average wrestler because I mean he he's just he has kind of cut his teeth and you know and has wrestled all over the world. I think he would be the ultimate traveling sort of champion. That's something that we really yeah. haven't had since the the NWA with the uh, with the Harleys and and the and the Flares. I mean, I think there's something there with him that. Uh, that that's something special and you got Don and you, you, you can have, again, when these promotions, things start moving again and, and people are starting to, you know, the turnstiles start moving. I think that that is, could be a, a very, very great idea. I mean, for not only impact AEW, there's going to be a lot of spots that I think that uh, Kenny could bring the belt collector cleaner could be uh, uh, in your hometown sort of a thing, which would be, would be awesome. I think that's again, a much needed thing. And, you know, we have talked so much about the modern era. I, you know, we talked about, you know, now with streaming services these days, you could watch all kinds of different pro wrestling. WWE Network, of course, has done a really uh, decent job with uh, not only the current stuff, new programming, but they have also have a very cool vault of stuff. But you know what? The things that you can't necessarily find on uh, WWE Network or on Impact Plus is, uh, you know, things you can discover on YouTube, Joe. And uh, we we got into uh, corresponding again, uh, Joe, because uh, it was not all that long ago. There was a recent upload of WFWA main event wrestling programs from about 1989. They had earlier, a couple months back in the summer, had put out some of the stuff that... Uh, uh, some of the the TV that uh, Tony did with Eddie Sharkey. But this time around, oh man, when I saw this glut of WFWA main event wrestling shows, I was taken back in time to 1989. Club Taboo. I was watching the Golden Sheik. I was seeing the French Mad Dog. Hell, Kenny Patera was there, uh, as well as the, some of the Winnipeg talent we're going to get into talking about. But Man, it was just so fun. And to see you on there, a younger Joe Aiello, just, you were just, I, you must have been just a kid in a candy store being able to, to, to front the, your own pro wrestling, you know, being on a pro wrestling show, I mean, for, for uh, Tony. I want to talk about how you made that, you know, we're going to get into the story here, how you got that connection uh, into the entree into the WFWA, because, I mean, a lot of fans are probably be, would in, be interested in, in finding out how you were, you know, a radio guy kind of cutting your teeth. You were a young man back in those days. You're still a young man today, I think. But tell us all <laughs> your, your involvement and, and, and how the the road led you to Tony Candelo because this guy is a character. He is a classic pro wrestling character. I mean, we've had I've, I chatted with Tony a couple of uh, different occasions here on Wrestling Memories. He is just a interesting fella. It was fun to kind of share old memories. But I want to talk about how your world and uh, Tony Candelo's collided because I mean, you talked about your love of, of pro wrestling going with your father to the Winnipeg Arena. Hell, we watched the local. We probably watched the same uh, All Star Wrestling pro. Program out a good looking CKND back in the day, yeah. but uh, I mean with Kenny Resnick and all of that too. Can you tell us a, and Ogreland before that? Can you tell us a little bit about how you ended up finally kind of attaining one of your dreams and uh, getting into the pro wrestling business and meeting up with Tony Candelo? You know, it's funny. I don't think I've ever been asked this question before. And um, and uh, as Tony would say, and uh, Glenn, uh, I got to tell you. Uh, but um, what happened with with Tony and I was. 
I was a young guy, and uh, Tony and the dog, the French mad dog, Freddie Pelican, um, used to do security on occasion for uh, a family friend or something. So we had a, a, a venue here called Le Rendezvous, where you'd have, like, socials or bands playing. And uh, I believe it was a wedding social for uh, a friend of Tony's who, who actually worked for him. Uh, because, of course, Tony uh, was a hairstylist, right, uh, by trade. He had his own hair salon. So I actually was brave enough that night to go up to Tony and uh, tell him, you know, what I knew about the business and I'd like to get involved. And, uh, you know, and he's looking at me like, who's this kid <laughs> busting my chops about, about wrestling and uh, wanting to do something? And then he said, well, what do you do? And I said, well... I'm working behind the scenes in radio right now. And uh, he goes, do you have any TV experience? I said, no, no, I'm just telling you I could do help you out. And Manny Bazunas, who was a former radio guy, oh, was yeah. doing the show for him. Manny's a great guy. I mean, I do want to thank Manny, too, because Manny could have just rolled his eyes at Tony and said, yeah, we have no room for this guy. What are we, what are we going to do with this kid? But at that time, Manny was going back and forth from British Columbia to Winnipeg because he had some business opportunities down there, and I think he was looking at moving in the future. So they kind of brought me along, like as a fill-in. So I would do a mailbag segment when I first started. And honestly, it was like I had the mic stand stuck up my butt because I was so <laughs> stiff, so nervous. Like I said, no radio or no uh, television experience whatsoever. And... Uh, I was just a fan and we turned it into a couple of things. And as many needed more time off, I kind of got stuck into more things. So I started calling some matches. I was doing the interviews and that's how it started for me. That was even before I got to know Don because Don wasn't in the business yet at that point. So it was basically Tony directing and uh, producing and I would just go in and uh, do all these things. And the finding is I never used a teleprompter. And so when I had my WWE tryout or F tryout in 1992, it was Nick Bockwinkle that told Vince McMahon about me because one of those WFWA tapings was, of course, we had Nick Bockwinkle here to do color with me, which was a dream come true because I paid money. You know, my dad bought me tickets to see who I believe is still one of the greatest world champions of all time. To me, in my era, it would have been him and Ric Flair, right? And just Nick, just the way he carried himself and everything else. So that was, and then that was how I met uh, Chris Jericho and uh, Lance Storm because they were on the same show as Gene Kanitsky at the International in Winnipeg. And it was a historic TV taping. Well, oh, that was an amazing had, TV uh, taping. My God, Joe, there was, the, there was some great guys that were uh, part of that uh, event. I mean, you had Kanitsky, you had the champagne man, Jerry Morrow. And, it was, uh, he was awesome. Oh, my God, Jerry Morrow. I mean, this is a guy that, I don't know, man, I always enjoyed him on Stampede when he'd do his interviews with Waylon. He had the champagne bottle, him and stuff with, uh, with uh, Acevedo, uh, with the Cuban Commandos, Karachi Vice stuff. But to be able to see him, you know, because he did the CNWA stuff as well in that same time uh, out there in Calgary post Stampede, but to be able to get him up in the Winnipeg show along with Kaniski and and the, the debut of Sudden Impact, I mean, there was some really really good stuff. I mean, uh, on that taping at the International Hotel, it was like, and to have Nick Bockwinkle, man, how could you even get the words out right away with Nick? I mean, I would have been so in awe. I mean, I met him once, and he was I was just like at call at a Cauliflower Alley, and I, I I barely got the hello out. I mean, he had such a presence even later in his life. He still had that presence, that aura. About him he was such a nice man like I, I i thought somebody was ribbing me when the wwf called my my parents house at the time because i had moved out but six months earlier uh we did this tv taping and and even kaniski like listening to the two of them 
catch up and talk was kind of a neat night. And I re- if I remember correctly, those tapings, the Champagne Man won uh, our championship. And I still remember Jerry talking, and, and I couldn't understand him. And it was as real as real gets. I said, it doesn't matter, ladies and gentlemen, if, if uh, I didn't understand a word. But at the end of the day, we're still calling him champion. It was something <laughs> like that because... I would get so excited, like I'd lose my voice by the end of it, and I laugh sometimes when, I, when I'm calling these matches because, I mean, I'm, I'm yelling at the top of my lungs kind of thing, and, you know, I guess that's the way sometimes the 80s were done. But um, it was so good for me because as far as those guys coming along and, and meeting some good talent, I mean, you could see which guys kind of had it and which guys would always stay local, and that was cool too, you know, it was it was just a fun thing. It was something I had on my bucket list, and I thank Tony for giving me that opportunity, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, it's just some great memories. And when I saw these videos, I don't even know who's put them up. I laughed because there was guys there that I grew up watching, too. Like, uh, we had uh, Adnan, El Casey up here, Ken Patera, The Baron. Uh, you know, I did a show here, uh, Don and Tony and myself, we brought uh, Mad Dog Vashon up here for a week just stuff like that and and to meet the guys and then when i went for my wwf tryouts at the time i i did it with lord alfred hayes who i used to see with his angle with the crusher here so it was great talking to him a couple of times and then when i was working with them for that six months the first big interview i get to do is on coliseum home video i've never seen it since was uh, the hitman winning the world title in saskatoon i did the interview with him after he beat rick flair and the story was, I, I was so nervous. Vince McMahon's in the room. I was like, I ruined, I think, the first six or seven takes. And Vince is looking like, why did I hire this kid? I'm almost positive. And Brett looks over at me and says, hey, Joe, don't worry about it, right? <laughs> we'll, we'll get it done. And sure enough, the seventh take, Brett screws it up. So we got it right on the eighth one. But, like, those are just great memories to have right now. But when you, you think, uh, I think back at just some of the talent I got to meet or actually watch as a fan and then get to work with, Forget about you it, can't, man. You can, yeah, exactly. It's it's just one of those things. So even to watch a couple of these matches now, is uh, it's great. I'm glad somebody put them up there. And, you know, if, if somebody likes independent wrestling and wants to look back at how it was done in a different era, there's some great stuff up there. Like, I mean, so when I was growing up, and I've got about 10 years on you, I grew up watching the AWA here, which would come to town, as I mentioned, every third Thursday. I also got to watch uh, wrestling out of British Columbia, which I think they were tied into the NWA back then, but it was all-star wrestling with Ron Morier. So I grew up with Marty O'Neill and then Gene Okerlund. When I got to sit with Gene Okerlund and uh, the Marriott in Cleveland, uh, the guy was my idol growing up as a wrestling fan. So, to, you know, that was kind of just a cool thing. But I also grew up watching uh, Stampede and... Uh, wrestling out of montreal i think it was called universal at the time or something um which was a french-owned operation right by um yeah. i can't remember there's two different families i think at the different eras that owned it but anyway we had a lot of wrestling coming through on television so then to get to do something locally on the independent scene was kind of cool and getting to travel through manitoba and other parts and meet a bunch of great people outside of the ring like just fans yeah, pretty cool 
Yeah, and uh, you know, I was watching the shows, you know, and and seeing the promos for for the various events. Tony was booking booking a f- quite a few towns on these tours. I mean, this was not just you know work a weekend sort of a thing because I was noticing you know three four dates a week sometimes and and, and be able oh, to yeah. be able to be able to get out there. I mean, and, you know, and that now in this era, you know, of the weekend independent shows, it was very impressive. And I mean, some of the guys, uh, I think Danny Duggan does some some stuff up there too, where he goes yeah. on some big tours where I give him credit as well for kind of keeping that spirit alive. But it was just such a different animal where you were able to sustain a, a, a sort of loop in, in, in those provinces. Well, of course, you know about the same northern tours that Tony oh, yeah. did and a lot of guys cut their teeth on. I think the good and magical thing about Winnipeg at the time was if, if you couldn't get on Stampede uh, or what was going on independently in BC, Winnipeg was a great option because Tony would bring in guys from different cities because he didn't always want to use local guys here. And guys could get tape and send those tapes out back then. That was the whole idea. Like, uh, you know, I I talked about it with uh, Edge last time I I had a chance to see him, but I called his first television match here, which I was proud of, right? And he was uh, Sexton Hardcastle at the time, right? And then Christian came a little bit later. Mm -hmm. But I think one of the big turning points here was and this is so like I'm trying to remember as much as I can here, but so when I started working for Tony, it was Tony's ideology. He had uh, just uh, run with Eddie Sharkey, right, who you know very well, Correct. obviously, and he, he used to run a lot of uh, guys from, uh, from Minneapolis then. When I got involved there, came near the tail end of some of that stuff. There was a few guys still coming up, but Tony was using more local guys and then some of uh, the old AWA guys mixed in. But I think the big turning point here was with uh, Don Callis. Like when Don became a wrestler, uh, Bulldog was still here doing color with me or Don was doing some color. But Don was also involved in some of the storyline stuff. And you could tell that uh, the brain worked like a mile a minute for him, right? Like he emulated Flair if you watch some of the matches mm-hmm. early on in his career and that. But you could tell he was a great talker. And, and the Golden Sheik was just one of the nicest guys you'd ever meet, right? And, uh, and he had a role to play there, and, and they became uh, pretty tight. Yeah, they were so, good. They were good together. I mean, that was just some some great yeah. chemistry. And Don, I mean, from the first time I saw Don on the programming, I just he had something, you know. And the way he kind of developed that natural character uh, up the top of the card, and just some you can definitely tell he was uh, the wheels were turning, and he really turned. I think he really kind of uh, pumped a little life into into the creative end for Tony's company, not just making it about the uh, put the one light up in the ring and, and just uh, work out some matches. And don't really do much continuity. I think he w- uh, had, to, had had to have had a hand in the continuity of keeping things storylines fresh there for his time when he oh, was up in sure. Winnipeg. I think the two biggest ones that I can recollect too, uh, before we got into that big show at the International Inn. I mean, Jim Brunzel, obviously, who we grew up watching as the High Flyers. Uh, when he came in, Jimmy and the Don had a great storyline that was obviously uh, put together. And then Rick Martell, which ironically was my first interview on uh, the tryout in Brandon, Manitoba. So the fans in Brandon for that WWF show knew who I was because of local TV. And then I brought out the model, and then I got to work with Rick again when he was running the... There's some great matches uh, between Rick and Don that are out there. I don't know if they're up on YouTube or not, but they had a cage match. I think it was in Winkler, Manitoba back in the day. So there's just stuff like that... uh, that uh, came together and then when sudden impact came here you could tell they obviously had something and 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 they were going places 
but it's no different for, for even those guys cutting their teeth, not only getting tape, but if you watch the interviews of some of these guys, they'll laugh and say, wow, was I that bad? You know, quote, was I that bad? And you go, well, it wasn't actually that bad at the time because you're trying to figure out exactly who you're going to be as well. Right. And, and what character. So I like looking back then, you know, it's sort of funny. And I use this analogy. If you've watched a movie, uh, if let's say you, you take one of the biggest stars right now, uh, and, and then you look back at a movie they did 20 years ago and you go, Oh, wait a second. I didn't, I forgot that they were in that movie. And you look how young they are or, or what role they had in this other movie. It's kind of the same thing what I do with wrestling now. Mm-hmm. Like, taking a look. It's funny because I guess with all these Facebook pages and everything else, a lot of people are posting either old wrestling programs like uh, they pick up at cards when they go to the live cards and that. But it's kind of cool to see all this footage kind of make its way, as you mentioned earlier. Great point. If you don't subscribe to the W, even, even the WWE they don't have all the great AWA stuff that's out there. There's a lot of great matches that I've been uh, catching up on, like the, the Crusher and Mad Dog Vachon that are making their way on, onto Facebook and that. So it is kind of nice that somebody posted this WFWA stuff. And it'd be cool if, uh, if you could find, uh, if you ever get a chance, look up some of that old uh, BC uh, wrestling stuff when Roddy Piper was there. Guys like Dutch Savage I grew up with watching. There was some really cool dudes that, uh, or John Tolos. I'd be more intrigued now with Pat Patterson passing away and maybe Glenn, you know, the answer to this, seeing some of that stuff that came out of Los Angeles and San Francisco. Oh, we just Uh, hope it, we just hope and pray that we have, I, I, I always call them, they are a productive hoarding is what I call the people who save all these tapes and stuff. It's productive hoarding because if it weren't for those uh, VHS heads that used to you know, do the tape trades uh, throughout the country, uh, not only here in the United States, but I suppose in Canada too, I mean, these tape traders were really uh, the ones that really could spread, was the way, that was the internet, that was the YouTube of the day. And to be able to see some of the stuff from these guys that are still have their collection somewhere that they're painstakingly uploading, I, I am so in favor of it because... Again, it's not what it's not a history whitewash. It's history in the moment. You know, it's not just a best of match compilation. I love watching the shows from start to finish. I love watching the promo interviews for the matches coming up that weekend or in two weeks. I just like the wrestling in the moment. I mean, best of you know remastered all that. It's great. It's fun. It's good gateway drug for people to watch the wrestling if they're young and want to get back into the history. Then they go to YouTube and find some of these episodes because that is just, it's just so much fun. And again, I want to thank all those productive hoarders out there. Well, you know what? That's cool because I guess it was about three, four months ago, something weird happened. It was on Twitter. I had somebody had asked me a question, just a buddy of mine saying, Hey, have you seen a lot of your old WWF interviews that I did? And there was, the one I did with uh, Ric Flair and uh, Razor Ramon at the time, Scott Hall, for I think it was for their Survivor Series match. I did one with Earthquake and Typhoon. Uh, another one I did was with the Bushwhackers going into Christmas where they pull off their masks and they lick my face. And, <laughs> and then the one that came up in conversation, I said, the one I hadn't seen since the time I did it was with Owen Hart and Coco Beware when they were high energy. Never saw it. And sure enough, about two, three weeks later, someone from the United States on Twitter posts a picture of me and goes, hey, does anybody know who this announcer is from the 90s? And someone says, uh, yeah, I don't know. He looks like Disco Inferno, which made me laugh. And uh, Lance, I think, Storm answered saying, 
Yeah, that's Joe Aiello. He, he worked there for about six months, had a cup of coffee with the, the WWF, and then was like back home doing radio. And somebody had posted that interview. So it was kind of cool for me to actually see it. And like now at least I have copies on file of these interviews somewhere instead of like an old VHS tape that my mother, God love her, was, you know, happy that her son is on <laughs> worldwide TV sure. as Joe Beavins. <laughs> I <laughs> love that. My name, of course. Yeah. Which Joe is a funny story because I didn't know the meaning behind Joe Beavins, but the story was I heard it from Sergeant Slaughter. He said what happened was Gorilla who was always in the gorilla position, if he didn't remember a guy's name, because they'd always have guys come in, enhancement talent and everything else, he would just say, you know, that's Joe Beavins, blah, blah, blah. So they said, we're going to use that name. You know what? It's kind of like the Art Vandalay. Yes, yes. I mean, percent. Yeah, I mean, I I really do believe that there's been a resurgence of some of these uh, matches making their way out there, and, and I think it's so cool, because if you're a hardcore wrestling fan, and you see some of the, the guys in there and some of these storylines, you know, especially right now with guys like Cody, uh, r- you know, helping out with the, running the uh, a- uh, AEW promotion, there's a lot of heritage there because they're going to reinvent a bunch of stuff that was done in the past by his father and that kind of stuff. So it is kind of cool. Look at the pop big uh, Sting got the other night and uh, already setting a record there, was it, with pro wrestling tees on T-shirts. And I'm going, wow, like Vince really did not much with them when they had them in the WWE there near the end. I, I think they missed the boat a little bit on a couple of things, but hey, that's all hindsight. Well, you know, we'll the, is he going to wrestle? Sounds like it. Yeah, the thing with Sting, I just it was just so bungled. It was just unfortunate with his time with uh, with, with Vince here a few years ago because I mean, and he had the unfortunate injury in his match uh, with Seth Rollins, and I mean, it was just something where I don't know. Sometimes Vince, he's a rather peculiar guy. Where you know, maybe it was all these years that Sting didn't go to his company uh, when they were interested. Yep. I mean, Vince has can hold those things in his craw for a while, and and, and I think that was probably. I, I have to say that that probably had a lot to do with uh, why Sting didn't get pushed or, or didn't, they didn't do much with the character aside from what they, they had had done before they, the injury happened with him against Rollins. Yeah, and I think that was what a lot of wrestling fans believe kind of happened with the whole WCW uh, purchase too, that it was sort of ego that set, set that aside, that there was no way they were going to let WCW gain the upper hand on his WWF or E at that right. So I just I just think right now is such an exciting time to be a wrestling fan, especially because if AEW does gain more television time and it looks like that's going to happen, I'm going to be interested to see uh, what happens. And I'm not one of those guys that necessarily is talking about uh, the show, the the dark show that I'm going to see a lot of those guys. I'm I'm more probably at my age more thinking about can you get Eddie Kingston. And some of those storylines and those people, more television time to, to let them grow. Do you know what I mean? I don't know oh, if yeah. I need to see more, more and more and more stars. I think I just want to see some of their top talents get more time to develop on, on their shows. 
you know, and another hours isn't a lot. No, and and you got guys. I mean, again, like I said, the guys that are working basically enhancement. That for example, he just got a victory the other night. Uh, a guy that I think has so much upside given his family heritage. Uh, I'm talking about Brian Pillman Jr. I mean, that guy just yeah. has something about him. He looks so much like his dad, but he is such a he's he's totally taken a page from from his dad as far as. Brian was such a sponge for the pro wrestling business. I mean, not only watching tapes, you know, working on him, always developing uh, different things, but he was also uh, tight with Meltzer and stuff. He was just a guy that really, really eat, eaten, slept, and just basically absorbed pro wrestling. And I really see the the good things that Brian had going for him in his son. And I mean, Brian's son, that was definitely, I interviewed him a couple of years ago. He talked about uh, some of the things growing up. It wasn't an idyllic childhood, you know, dealing uh, with the aftermath of his father's death and dealing with some of the dysfunction with his his mother and stuff. I mean, all those things, he could have just thrown in the towel. He could have just got given into the substances. He, but instead, this kid seems to be so driven. And I mean, we saw some of his stuff in MLW working with uh, with uh, Davy's son, and of course uh, Teddy Hart. Uh, when Teddy was uh, actually working and being uh, a functioning member of the pro wrestling community, but to be, I, I just think that uh, you know having him in AEW, this could be another big step for him. I, I think he's just. I mean, there's a lot of his story that's going to be uh, told here in the next few years if he plays his cards right. He already has good placement. He's getting a lot of good exposure. But I think Brian Pillman Jr. could be one of those guys that to, to carry the ball in the next couple of years. Sure, and I also think what's going to happen is once live crowds really start to happen, like when things are quote normal. I think you're going to see more independence probably flourish because I think there's going to be opportunity to start uh, bringing in more independent talent again. Like a lot of it was getting tied up there. So you were probably limited to maybe a handful of guys that were out there outside of maybe the odd uh, former WWE superstar that would come out and cut a promo and sign autographs, but not wrestle. Mm-hmm. I think with all these independent guys that are available, because I don't think AEW is going to lock them all up. I think they're going to let them take some independent bookings and just act as uh, an agent, sort of like what Impact was doing, I guess. Mm-hmm. I think you're going to see some independence flourish because I, I think some of those guys will be able to travel a little bit more and uh, and build their own brands outside of the limited TV time they're getting in the meantime. Sure. So I think that bodes well for people that do spend their uh, money... Like, I don't know about out there, Glenn, but right now, I mean, here in Manitoba, we're under lockdown, but the support local is becoming a big, uh, a big, uh, a big deal as far as retailers and everything else. And I could see something like that develop uh, a groundswell for, for wrestling too. Like, Hey, let's support our local independent groups too. Cause these guys are busting their ass out there for everybody. So. Yeah, that's a and good. That could be the future stars for real. Absolutely, it's, it could be a, again. It could be like a feeder system, not unlike baseball. Well, I'll tell you. So there's a couple of guys, I guess, that are still running here independently. I don't follow it as closely as I would have years ago. But and Danny, I know, and 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 guys like that, man. When they're putting on, let's say, in 30 days, uh, they're putting on uh, 28 shows in 30 days. Uh, I don't care where you're going. That's a long trip to be away from home. And some of those guys, and, and some of them are young guys, some of them are, are veterans. That's a long way to be from home to, to earn a living. And it tells you something about how much passion people have, no matter what they do for a living. So I, I think wrestling is actually going to improve because of what's going on with this AEW and Impact uh, 
I don't know. I don't know if we can call it a merger yet. It's at least a storyline, and I think there's great potential there. And I think there'll probably be other developments. Like there's always been the rumblings about maybe an agreement with uh, New Japan again, but I kind of fell off uh, New Japan once uh, once Kenny and Chris uh, were were pretty much and Don were were done. And that may just be a local thing, right? As far as uh, but I wasn't into it before they got there. No, they, 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 they basically brought you to it and kind of called attention to it yeah. because of their involvement. Yeah. But now that and the, that's what's happened now with Impact and AEW. I probably watched that now more than I actually pay attention to the WWE stuff, even though I'm kind of intrigued with uh, Heyman and Reigns and where this goes with Jey Uso, that kind of stuff. But I still think they're dropping the ball on a few pieces of talent there that I really like too, so... Mm-hmm. And, you know, like uh, I said, uh, there's smarter guys than me running these organizations. I'm just a fan. <laughs> I know we all we all have the best of intentions, and you know can do the fantasy booker stuff. But yeah, it's those guys that uh, you know keep the product going, and you know, and we're the ones that wish we could keep uh, have our ideas uh, front and center. But well, you know, we're getting so close to the end of our conversation. We've just you know kind of kicked back and had a nice little chill chat. I mean, we're rem- remembering and we're talking about today's stuff. And uh, I, I just have to wonder, you know, what would Bulldog Brown, Bob Brown, think of his former charge, the natural, taking over the pro wrestling business? I, I would just have loved to have heard a Bulldog Brown response. I mean, he could have brought Kenny and uh, and Don to uh, a segment on the doghouse. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Sitting on the couch. I'll tell you what, he would have had that look on his face like he was not happy. <laughs> Bulldog, God rest his soul. But... Uh, it was funny, you know, uh, Bob was one of those grizzly veterans that uh, did it his own way. And, and like, I mean, if you think about it, in the era he grew up with, and I grew up in Winnipeg, I spent my entire life here, uh, I knew who Bulldog Bob Brown was as a fan before I ever got to see him on TV because people used to talk about the fact that uh, there's this former uh, Winnipegger now that was in Kansas City at the time and traveling through, and then I used to see him on BC TV and that before I, I got to know Bob, like there's quite a few. I mean, the Roddy Piper stories are famous, right? Uh, Tony and a crew of guys here were enhancement talent for the AWA for years. So we used to see them on TV. Uh, I had a, a quick little stint out there. Then of course uh, you go, you go to Don who had moved around a bit, but has a great mind for wrestling. You talk about Kenny, who's become like this, this superstar in the last five years and good for uh, good on him. He, he earned it. And then you've got Chris Jericho. And he'd definitely be in any conversation about being one of the greatest of all times. The guy's reinvented himself, and he's done it his own way, and he's done it in uh, an unconventional way, so to speak. Like the whole Japan thing. Here's a guy that uh, was quoted as saying he'd never uh, work anywhere else now but the WWF. And he took a chance in his own career and made something big happen. They revolutionized wrestling. Forget the, you know, wrestling storylines of revolutions he was the pinnacle of making that whole thing with omega and callus work you don't get you don't get chris jericho for that uh, it doesn't happen even maybe still to me probably the most uh, important signing in uh, aew just because of the heritage and the mainstream ability that he brought Oh, absolutely. And he's still on top at age 50. Like, and he's got a long way to go if he doesn't want to do it in the ring. Oh, he can. He can. mind for creating talent. Well, look yeah. What he's done with Sammy and look what he's done with Orange Cassidy and, uh, and, and even MJF. 
And MJF's what, early 20s? Oh, like, yeah, he's really young, and boy, he is just a quick study, too. He is like, he brings back that essence of a, what a heel should be. He's the guy that, you know, in this era, after the whole, uh, you know, pro wrestling uh, kayfabe uh, got out of Pandora's box, he's bringing a little bit of that flavor back because he is just a classic a-hole type of heel, and he's just fun to watch. And, you know, hell, people may be uh, dogging it. Some people uh, may have been dogging it, but I... I thought that uh, that that dinner debonair thing was just absolutely like what the first it was what the hell but then it was like yep. you magnificent bastards that was brilliant yeah and it's something totally different whether you liked it or not it's a ballsy chance that they took and it got a reaction that says a lot more than what sometimes goes on in three hours on raw let's say and i'm not picking on, on one program over the other but if if I was losing interest as a fan, I can only speak for myself, and now I'm interested again, they must be doing something right in my eyes. Oh, 100%. Hey, let's not wait a few years to do this again, eh? Yeah, yeah, hell no, man. <laughs> we got to get, I think we should, every few months, man, we got to get together and just chat. I mean, this is just kind of fun doing some, you know, on, on the program. And heck, we, we, we sometimes do it online a little bit. But I think, I don't give you about, you know, we should kind of gauge how the business is like every three to four months. And then we can share some old WFWA stories on top of that. Because we, we didn't uh, go, we didn't attack the full arsenal here. We still got a lot, long ways to go as far as going back and helping you remember uh, some of the history, uh, your history. And uh, again, we could get into an episode, the history of the hairstyles too. I mean, I saw you with short hair. I saw oh, you yeah. rocking a little long hair, man. You were you were <laughs> quite the uh, personification of style. Was that a Candelo special, or did you trust? Of uh, course. Yeah, that's the joke. Tony's payoffs for a lot of us weren't very good. I at least uh, I joke with the other guys. I said at least I got haircuts uh, out of it. But I will say, like it was a pipeline for a lot of guys. We mentioned Edge. We mentioned Christian. Uh, Johnny Swinger uh, did some TV here. You know, and some of the former stars, but then the Jerichos, the Lance Storms did a stint here. You know, it might not have catapulted their career, but it certainly got them some visibility from tapes and everything else. It's, it's kind of neat because, to be honest, that was so long ago. I mean, that's you can consider that the golden age of wrestling for some people. <laughs> it's the Dumont you know, Network. It's the Dumont Network the days. <laughs> yeah, in color. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, 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 no problem, man. You know what? You know what, dude? I think uh, I was going to say Tony Candelo, the Jose Ebear of Winnipeg. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Get him a cowboy hat and a long-haired wig. He'd be on the way, man. Thank you so much, Joello. It's a pleasure to talk with you, my friend. And we're going to do this again. We are going to do it. And we're not going to wait three damn years for it, right? You got it, Glenn. Take care, brother. All right. Take care. Uh, for Joe Aiello, I'm Glenn Broggett. This has been Wrestling Memories Then and Now.